0: Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Deanna Johansson.
1: And I'm Maureen Smith, and, and I ate too many chocolate covered almonds.
0: Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So we are watching I'm I am minding my uh what am I trying to say? I'm keeping up a an Airbnb for Maureen's aunt. Um, and they had a bag of dark chocolate almonds that they put out for guests and they had a few other things too like, we definitely had a couple
1: i i um probably two servings of um yeah probably two servings of the so like 18 chocolate covered almonds
0: <laughs> i like how it went from two servings to yeah like 18
1: no i'm i, I looked at the back a serving was nine chocolate covered fair. almonds. So fair. I ate two servings. Eighteen yeah. chocolate covered They're almonds. They're good. They were very good. I ate eighteen of them. That's okay. I don't feel well.
0: I'm making baked Z D pizza later.
1: You know, I might not partake in that. That's I'm, totally fair. I need to eat a vegetable.
0: Yeah, that's totally any fair.
1: vegetable. Yeah. I'm just gonna house a tomato.
0: Well the other fun part of Oh,
1: that's a fruit though. That, ah.
0: Is it the other fun part of that story is the You don't whole,
1: know how tomatoes are fruits?
0: They're probably, right? I don't know. What? I know tomatoes fall on this fence thing. I never really, like, got There's the no whole fence. story. There's
1: no fence. They're fruit.
0: Yeah, but don't, aren't some people like, oh, aren't they vegetables?
1: I mean, society, societally, because they're savory. Yeah. They're considered vegetables. Like, it's something that you have to learn that they're not a vegetable. But no, they're a fruit.
0: No, I honestly um did not remember who won the whole is the tomato a fruit or a vegetable thing
1: there wasn't any competition i mean
0: like i didn't tune in that year for the let's define this food item fest tv show special you know like american idol but for tomatoes that's not a thing
1: no what no tomatoes have always been a fruit
0: cool anyway so the other part of that story of us mining an airbnb is that we've had we had birds here for the last couple days which was a nightmare
1: i got weird in stockholm me about it though yeah that there was a point where i was yeah. looking at the birds and they were really pretty yeah and i and i was like maybe we should get a bird and now that they're gone i'm like ugh. i'm, I'm back to my original stance of fuck birds they're just i don't like birds
0: some of them are very pretty, and I'm sure that there are people that, like, do the adequate upkeep of birds, which I imagine is daily. But frankly, they're they're very dirty. Yeah. You really have to clean, like, every day, because they just throw their shit around everywhere. They seem really good at just, like, getting shit everywhere.
1: They really are. Yeah. And, like, our apartment was, like, super weird and, like, humid all weekend because... We had to put the birds in our bedroom.
0: And we get a lot of air through the bedroom. through Because the...
1: our air, cause our AC is in our yeah. bedroom. And what we do is we just keep our bedroom door open.
0: Mm-hmm. And the cats have like fucked up so many of our windows in the main living area now we that can't we really, can't really we open can't them. We
1: can't have open windows in our apartment.
0: Yeah. We gotta get new screens. Anyway, all this is to say that we shouldn't watch your birds if you need us to. Don't ask. Don't ask. We'll, we'll help you find somebody. yeah Yeah. anyway so that's my uh story for today how are you doing today
1: i'm fine it's labor day it is labor day i um i'm riding the wave of having eaten too many chocolate covered almonds that's fair that's where i'm at i also so i'm in the middle of trying to write an article for scoppy yeah you are and i it reminded me that i just haven't written in a really long time Mm just a bummer because i used to be a really good writer.
0: Yeah. That's all right. We're we're doing it. So, uh It's going to be a humdinger though. Yeah, so we're taking this Labor Day weekend to like really establish a format for what article writing is going to look like going forward after my week of doing 10 articles at once. Um we're going to be putting out 3 articles a week as the goal and we'll be printing out for every Monday. So, because we technically had Labor Day off, I'm counting that as tomorrow being the day that we're going to print out uh, probably like 200 Ugh. copies of the magazine and just do a distribution of some kind. If you're interested in helping me out throughout the week with distribution, let me know because that would be super awesome. Um, otherwise, uh, we're really looking forward to it. I'm going to. So, the article that I want, like the thing I want to talk about today is um, one of the articles that is going to be in the in this issue. Um, And then uh, the other third article that's going to be in there, I think is going to be the Olivia Olivia Lilly article, which was, we had her on the show. Um, We talked a bit about her upcoming project. Um, We did a, a, like test issue last week with articles from like covering new brew Chicago, their ladies night and covering, um, I threw in Emily Cox's, um article on opera elitism i think we talked we had her on the talk about on the show mm-hmm. so generally you know if you haven't already and you want to kind of keep up with some of those stories uh definitely check out some of the most recent episodes of the podcast because honestly they've been pretty fantastic the olivia, olivia lily interview was a really fun interview mm-hmm. and like the project she's working on right now is super interesting um kevin Koval.
1: that was a whirlwind
0: a whirlwind yeah absolutely um And, uh, the the episode with Emily was fun, too.
1: Yeah. Well, and then we talked to Eli... Right. ...from Halfwit. That was That was the most recent episode, yeah. Yeah. That was so cool.
0: Yeah, it's, um, fun getting to kind of do... The next couple episodes, like, guests we have coming on are exciting, too. Because we're just kind of really establishing what, uh, what our scope as far as, like, local, you know, artistry and stuff is concerned for the podcast, so... We hope you all. We hope you all are ex, ex, are as excited about it as we are. Um, yeah, because we're like we're at like 120 episodes now. Like we're trying to like be in the swing of this thing.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Anyway, how are y- you all doing? Right into the show. Tell me how you're doing. Trying to think. There's any other like housekeeping things. So mm-hmm. I went around to all the podcasts that I know about it that are made locally. And I gave them five stars. And so if you are a podcast that would benefit like doing the work with Math and Black, like Make No Bones, Toby Altman, we had him on the show. Make No Bones is fantastic. It's great, too, because it's only 20 minutes. Um, And then I also did um, Opera Box Score. Uh, I think that was it. Maybe there was two more. But anyway, um, so if you run a podcast and just want a person to throw you five stars, I will gladly do that. Because you should leave us five stars. Did
1: you do Nudes Room?
0: Shout out Nudes Room. I'm going to do them right now.
1: <laughs> we, uh, You just did a photo shoot with her. Yeah. Um, and I'm... What's cool about this arrangement is that what it's looking like um, is that for the more kind of like fun, experimental things, um, Daniel's going to take the pictures and I'm going to edit them.
0: Yeah, which makes it a lot easier for me because, um, you know...
1: And I've I've been doing some fun things, with um, with Rosie's pictures. Um,
0: well, I really appreciate whenever I get a chance to, um, collaborate. Yeah, that's really important to me. Cause it well it makes it easier like it makes it easier when like I feel like your skin is in it too.
1: Me, my yeah, skin. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know.
0: Um, you know. Cool. Yeah. Um, so do you want to get into stories? Sure. The one I'm really excited about, uh, is, well, not excited obviously, but the thing that was really fun, not fun. The thing that was, why am I, (laughs) I had, it was interesting to me, extremely interesting to me to do it to the point where I was like running on the excitement of kind of like doing the research on this topic. Um, few articles I've written recently have been about this SB1 vote, um, just because it's a really good example of national narratives being part of the local spectrum. And I mean, like, we're getting a lot more of that as we're dealing with the fact that we're coming up to this uh, state position race in a state that has such a big city. So, so much of what's going on Politically, at the state level, especially with the gubernatorial race, ends up becoming this game of like, are you looking out for the rural folks enough or are you looking out for the city folks enough? And in fact, like that's the thing that I think is most concerning to me as far as like the progressive race is concerned. I'm really sorry. I hope this doesn't count as a back pocket thing. But I think talking about the Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosa um, running mate pick is an interesting thing to talk about, too. I'm talking to Maureen right now. Anyway, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna just talk about what I was talking about, which is that. Um, so we, uh, as far as on the Democratic side, I haven't really heard much from Chris Kennedy recently. I don't know what ha- what's up with his like campaign, but I know that.
1: I know that a lot of people who are in the comment sections of JB Pritzker articles on the Chicago Sun Times are mm-hmm. like, "I'm not going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for Chris Kennedy." Really? Yeah.
0: I don't know. So, I mean, you have Pritzker, who, I mean, is just more kind of like, let's make a compromise with the right, who all want to make compromises with Nazis. And then you have the most progressive candidates, I think, are Biss and Pawar. And they're both super interesting for different reasons. Uh, And, you know, honestly, I'm worried that like we're going to see progressives have a split vote because you have progressives like extremely liberal progressives that are going to want for vote for Poir because he is what he is the epitome of like old school liberal like fdr liberal and then you have people that are out and out socialists that um are to the left of liberals and so don't agree with like what pawar up to and like this is coming from me who like up until so Biss just named, uh, like I was saying, the f- 35th Ward. I'm pretty sure it's... I don't want to be getting his name wrong. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who is the 35th world Ward Alderman. The 35th world. World. Uh, hold on, let's pause a second. If he does here. Yeah, no, sorry about that. I thought that um someone was someone called my phone. The gate called my phone, and I buzzed somebody in. And then I went out and no one was there. And we're like waiting for it. Avita said she was gonna come over at like six thirty and we're Vida gonna hang Tromble. out. Who we've had on the show like ninety episodes ago. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. <laughs> um Yeah. So have fun finding that. <laughs> now we'll probably maybe she'll come on for the last twenty minutes or something like that if she's here in time.
1: Just talk about um how frustrating it is to be waiting on a uh, on a visa.
0: Mm-hmm yeah yeah well and so the thing that so what we were talking about before um which is a lot smaller of a break for y'all listening at home than what we we just had um was the gubernatorial race uh and the lieutenant governor picks so you know you have pawar so we've talked about on the show he had he picked tyrone coleman um and i you know like and now I'm pretty much on the fence as far as like who I really like because, you know, it it is an appealing thing to think of the um the socialist movement generally. Uh, I think that in Chicago especially because there is such a socialist history, I think that there's some things that we can really that, that a movement like that could really tap into. But I also really like what Pawar is up to. So like, you know, it's a it's an unfortunate thing where like at a local election like that You just have two awesome progressive candidates and then establishment, expanding Obamacare, like big business, heavily funded J.B. Pritzker, who everybody that's critiquing only wants to talk about his his weight. Yeah,
1: no, I um The article that I'm writing right now is about. The normalization of fat shaming in our society, specifically in politics, both national and local. Mm -hmm. And um, in one Chicago Sun Times article that was published recently, that was about like a campaign stop or something or some like initiative that he was launching, um, there were among the comments. Five, like, at just glancing at the comment section, there were five, like, fat-shaming comments. And several of them had nothing to do with anything relating to the mm-hmm. article. One of them was, hey, don't worry about Trump. Lose some weight, fat boy. And then another one was, just another fat snowflake, lol. Yeah. No- mentioning nothing of his campaign, of his... Ad- of his proposed agenda right. just commenting on his weight yeah. when what we should really be focusing on is is this is this the right move for the democratic party are we are we still trying to make the establishment democrat like establishment democrats work or are we going to try to do something new that is the conversation we should be having right and instead we're commenting on somebody's weight
0: right yeah, um, and the thing that's amazing too, doing the research for that article, was how, when we, because we couldn't, we were like go looking, trying to find examples of fat shaming comments and like...
1: His campaign deletes all of them on Facebook.
0: Right. There, there, it will say that there's 20 comments on a post and then 10 have been deleted. Yeah. Yeah. Um which I mean fair. Like I think that's totally fair. Even from a like a mental health standpoint, like you don't want a bunch of like of that on yeah, your Yeah, if
1: I'm if I'm the social media manager of the JB Pritzker campaign, the moment I see a fat shaming high yeah. that is gone. Right. Gone. For the exact reason, for that exact reason that it detracts from what it detracts from the message. Right. It's unnecessary baggage.
0: Right. Um, So I set all of this up by mentioning uh, the article that I had written about SB1, which was the Senate bill. I think we talked about it on the show, right? Yeah. Um, About
1: how it's basically just a voucher program.
0: Yeah, and it really, it kind of really encompasses all of the things that we were talking about, which is the original thought behind SB1 was that it would be about an equity, like funding equity, meaning that. Uh, city public schools and state public schools could be funded equitably because they're they're not and both sides of this argument republicans and democrats have admitted this um so sb1 is a property tax initiative and it's not even like it isn't a solution and but it's not ideal it's a temporary solution to cover teacher pensions uh SB1 was revised by Rahner, and I'm pretty sure, like I said, Rahner vetoed it. Then there were closed-door meetings with Republican and uh, parochial representatives, lobbying groups for private religious schools. Um, And then the Illinois House of Reps Republicans came back with this revised SB1 which included significant funding for voucher programs. Um, And so from that, we talked with Emily about it on the show, Um, but I was really interested in the idea of what voucher programs have looked like in the past. And so I looked up, like, Vice President Pence is a big proponent of voucher programs, and he's from Indiana, and that's actually one of the most extensive voucher program structures that we have in this in this country um and you know it's a hop skip and a jump from illinois so it's like it's not that hard of a thing to like make a point to like not that far a leap exactly um so the thing to remember about voucher programs in indiana is that there was a serious shift in 2013 which is the year that mike pence took office as governor and in 2013,
1: it was only 2013 that he became governor.
0: Yeah, um, in 2013 he, fucking yikes. Yeah, there were all there was already a voucher program in place, but it was it was instituted in 2011 by the previous Republican, who basically said it was under the guise that they were going to be able to get more people of color into private schools because that's where the funding would go to. Then in 2013, Pence said, there's nothing that ails our schools that can't be fixed by giving parents more choices and teachers more freedom to teach. That was during his inaugural address. Inaugural address. Um, and as Washington Post reports... put
1: a pin in that comment. Which one? Teachers more freedom to teach.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, well, what do you want to say? Go ahead.
1: Oh, just the idea that, like... Um, state-issued educational standards are being viewed as holding teachers back yeah when state you know state mandated curriculum and you know has been tested by like educational scholars and like has been you know run through the gambit it has been you know you know test it out in actual classrooms mm-hmm. of different socioeconomical areas and the idea that it's holding teachers back is crazy because the standards set because the standards set for what makes a qualified teacher in a not public school are, there are there are no standards right They can hire whoever they want. Yeah. Um, And actually, I have a friend who is the director of music at a church that has... Of a Catholic church that has a school. He and I had a conversation um, about how the teachers are getting more involved in the liturgy that's being taught in the religious aspect of Mm -hmm. the... um, the religious aspect of these children's education which is you know the point of sending your children to a parochial school is that you want their education to be infused with religious topics uh-huh. um and something that he said to me that i so so disagree with and is so to me so emblematic of the t- of the kind of education the, the kind of educational standards that we can expect out of a parochial school is that he said that he was upset that the teachers were getting, were trying to mold, like, change the level of, I guess, change, like, change the density of the religion mm-hmm. that was being taught to the kids. And something that he exactly said was, sometimes it's not about the kids
0: Yeah, which is just, like, such a weird way to think about it.
1: Yeah. And so that, to me, is so emblematic of the educational standards that if you let the teachers... If you give the the teachers, quote, more freedom to teach, then you get ideas like sometimes it's not all about the kids. Yeah. Which it is about the kids.
0: That's the whole point.
1: That's why there are schools. Right. Schools do not exist to... Force agendas down their throats. They're, they exist to allow horizons to be expanded and mm-hmm. and adventures to be taken. And yeah. it's it's shocking to me that someone could look at an educational setting and say this is not about the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what you get when you let I don't know. I'm making the same point over and over again. But that's okay. I'm no,
0: you're I, you're you're killing it. <laughs> Uh, so i'll go back to to my thing. I please like cut me off with more things that you're thinking about. Um, but so as washington post reports that an estimated 60% of all indiana children were eligible for vouchers and the number of recipients jumped from 9,000 to more than 19,000 in one year. So that's 2013. Um, in terms of percentage the shift in policy was significant. So from the 2012 from 2011 to 2012 that school year um
1: yikes the noisy kid out there <laughs> sorry
0: uh you good yeah so it was that <laughs> so from 2011 to 2012 90 percent of kids had previously attended an indiana public school and then went on to get go to private school on the voucher program. From 2012 to 2013, that number drops to 80% of kids on voucher programs had previously attended an Indiana public school. 2013 to 2014, that number went down to 60% had previously attended an Indiana public school. 2014 to 2015, that number goes down to 49% till finally 47% in 2015 to 2016. So what that means is that over the course of five years in which they were extremely expanding the nature of the voucher program, 50% of kids had that were getting the voucher program had previously attended a, a private school, meaning they had no record of ever attending an Indiana public school. So what that means is that 50% of of kids had already been able to afford to go to a private school and that's significant because the whole point of what voucher programs is to make private schools more accessible for folks that can't afford it and so if voucher like in practice then especially after the regime shift the regime the the policy shift when mike pence took office that it looks it goes from being ten percent had no record of attending an Indiana public school, meaning ten percent of voucher program recipients had been going to private school to fifty percent. That's extremely significant, and in fact, is a waste of taxpayer money because those fifty percent of kids had already been going to private school. Like there is no like this whole idea of making it equitable and making this social justice movement to get. Um, Lower-income kids into private schools is bullshit.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
1: basically, it's subsidizing the education of Mike Pence's rich kids. Exactly. Rich, rich friends' children.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Matt Fenton, a school administrator for Indiana Private School Community Baptist Christian School, said that a lot of them were already here, but they qualified for vouchers, so they went on the voucher program. Over time, as we have advertised on the website, we've said we're a voucher school and other families have been able to take advantage of that. So like a school can become a voucher school and then that draws other private school kids to the voucher school because the government subsidizes the voucher program. <laughs> and so the other thing that's really important is that the whole rhetoric behind voucher programs is that the funding for schools will follow the students. So what that implies is that you'll end up with a zero at the end when you do all the math of how the funding will work. But if, if you're considering following the student only when you're talking about a student that goes from a public school to a private school, and it's like, oh, it'll be equitable because the public school kids will go to private school. But well, what about the private school kids that go to private school? You're talking about pulling from a budget That's already been allocated to a certain number of students in public school. So when you pull from a private school to a private school, you're double, you're like, it's fraud. Frankly, it's, it's, it's your, it's like that fucking office episode where he, um, uh, counts the sales twice twice that the, the website made half like the sales and the sales people made the sales.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in order to cover that difference, the Brown County School Superintendent, David Schaffer, had to go door to door that the funding dilemma means what that actually means is that they would have to approve a property tax increase because the way that they're going to cover schools is by increasing property taxes. Then there's you gotta like i want to tear like i made a, make a point to tear more into this idea of it being a social justice move because it really isn't because according to the statistics um in 2011 to 2012 black students made up for 24 percent of uh participation in voucher programs That number goes down the next year to 20%, then down to 17%, then down to 14%, then down to 13%. And, you know, it's percentages, so it's not, um, uh, like, you can't see exactly how many numbers of the students are, but you have to recognize that no matter what, that's a downward trend of black folks using these voucher programs. Especially because every single ethnicity has a downward trend on this graph except for whites who go up from 46% to 60%.
1: So it truly is just subsidizing the education of rich white kids. It is,
0: absolutely. And this is all, all the statistics that I pulled for this article are from the Indiana Department of Education's website. Yeah. And on top of that, This was the 2015-16 study report. They do a uh, a yearly report. They only offer two on the website. One's the 2015-2016. And that shows from 2011 to 2016. But the 2016-17 starts at 2013-14, which means it doesn't chronicle before the policy shift. So next year when they come out with 2018 they can get rid of 2015-16 on the website. And the statistics that I'm pulling up here now about catching the trends of, like, what ethnicity is doing is participating in voucher programs and, like, what percentage of of kids were going to public school or going to private school, that is going to be gone in a year because the Department of Education is just going to delete it from their site. I mean, we don't know that, but, like...
1: But why wouldn't they?
0: Why wouldn't they? Yeah.
1: So, basically... Everybody, go dig around, make some noise about it, because literally, you know, what's to stop the, the same thing from happening? Right, exactly. In, in Specifically in Chicago, where it's, there is such a wealth disparity. Right. Where there are a lot of rich children going to private schools whose parents... Of course and you know, and the thing is, you can't really fault the parents for taking advantage of a subsidy to their children's education. Like you pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> um But at the same time, like there, there should be some sort of the fact that there is no regulation in place or, like, some preventative measure that it's only that it only applies to children who attend public school.
0: Well, that's the whole thing of it, is that there is no regulation when you get into privatized school. That's the issue. They're trying to, like, reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's just my take on that. Um, I just wanted to look up real quick what this actually looks like. The revisions in SB1. Uh, The revisions include a $120 million increase in property taxes and providing $75 million in tax credits for wealthy people who have donated to private school scholarships.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what... That is what... um, Chicago approved in the House of Representatives. It's... I don't know where the vote in the Senate's at. I need to check into that because I haven't heard anything about it. Um, I'm assuming it's just been pushed back on the docket and pushed back on the docket. But, like, call your state senators. Get in talk. Figure out who your state representatives are. Because, like, that's so huge. Like, we all have different state representatives. Like, it's, it's different. And knowing even your alderman is super important, too, because you don't know, like, it could be the difference between you having a an alderman or a state representative that wasn't going to vote this way on SB one. There are a lot of establishment Democrats that are willing to keep SB one with the revised voucher program because it, it creates a funding equity for city schools. There should just be the original SB one should just be passed.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I'm going to change the subject. Is that okay? Sure. So Daniel and I were, boo Daniel and I were walking around, um, Andersonville today, and there's a cool comic shop called Alley Cat Comics, and I was like, let's go in, because oh, it's cute, um, and I was looking around at the, at the comics, and I, f- and I landed on one where I saw what I thought was a pregnant woman, I was like, oh shit, is this a pregnant superhero? And then I picked it up and was like, whoa, what happened? You're fine.
0: Nothing. Oh, there's a little bit of a delay now.
1: Hello? Okay. There was a delay. Anyway, I picked up a, uh, a copy and was leaving through it and realized, no, she's just fat. Yeah. And I've her name is Faith. She is a DC... She's in the DC universe. And... Um, I've done some research.
0: Faith in the Future Force,
1: right? Well, but her name is just she's just Faith. Yeah. Um she's a female hero with tremendous psychic powers, often nicknamed by her teammates the Fat Lady, reference to the line it's not over until the fat lady sings. Basically, she um for she was brought on by Batman to be on the Justice League. And so she's on the Justice League and she, what did she do? She did a bunch of cool stuff. Um, Her origin is unclear, but her powers are psychokinetic and telepathic in nature. Batman has long noted her ability to create an aura of trust and confidence within the people around her, allowing a group to work e- together easily. She has shown the power to levitate both enemies and inanimate objects. The limits of her power are unknown, but she has been seen raising entire skyscrapers when needed and once destroyed an entire fleet of alien spaceships, through the effort, though the effort left her exhausted." She has used psychic energy as a projectile. She is capable of flight and group teleportation.
0: Holy shit.
1: So basically, she's a big old badass. Badass bitty. And I'm obsessed with her. So, um... If anybody wants to get me a present, get me faith things. Because it just goes back to representation mm-hmm. of, like, if a... If an overweight girl walks into a comic book store and sees images of like these like taut, tall, you know, beautiful blonde like Amazonians female superheroes, and then you f- see Faith like kicking ass mm-hmm. and like getting mad props from Batman, like hell yeah, that's mm-hmm. amazing. So, um, yeah. I just think that it's super cool that she exists and everybody should buy those comics. And I guess she has her own spin off and it's called Faith in the Future Force. Yeah. And I'm beyond obsessed with it.
0: Yeah. So That was a nice walk. I also, uh speaking of badass biddies, uh Rose Quartz. Yeah. Maureen might be Rose Quartz for Halloween.
1: Yeah. And we're trying to talk Daniel into being Greg Universe for Halloween, although he's being weird about it.
0: Yeah, I am. Uh, It's I don't know.
1: It's because. Well, I mean, it's coming from a place of you being self-conscious about like. You're afraid that we see you as Greg Universe. Yeah, who cares?
0: I I shouldn't. You're right. No, you're right. Like you're
1: my boyfriend. You should be Greg Universe if I'm Rose Quartz.
0: That's true. I get to wear flip flops. That's a good thing.
1: That's the thing. Is like you have all the clothes. I don't
0: have flip flops right now.
1: All right. Well, then we'll go to a gas station and get you flip flops. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fair. <laughs> That's fair.
1: <laughs> what time are we at? Are we done? Mm,
0: it's like almost forty minutes. I think we should end soon. Yeah. Honestly, we'll end early. It's not the big of a deal. Yeah. If y'all are bummed that we ended early.
1: Oh, we should talk about the share razor.
0: Oh, so I had an idea, kind of a housekeeping thing, uh, for a share raiser. So what that means is we are asking for people to share their favorite either video or episode of the podcast and hashtag it, listen, participate, and share. Listen, participate, share. Uh, And what that does is, uh, you know, frankly, we do a lot on facebook not because we love the model but know that a lot of people use it um and i mean i've just had so many situations now running this thing and Maureen into running this thing that we've just found that people like don't know what we're up to or like know some things and don't really understand and like i gotta f- i just feel like a lot of it has to do with when you run a page on Facebook, what they really want is for you to send them money to advertise and to get your posts sponsored. And frankly, we've done that and it's not gotten it out to <laughs> all of you. And we're still
1: not famous. Well, and it's not even a matter <laughs> of
0: famous, right? Like it's not that it's just like I'm w- I'm wondering if we can like break through to some point where like people can easily find and see all of the different things that we've done and are doing. And I mean, there are ways to do that if you go through the different channels and stuff. I
1: mean, and one of the people that we reached out to to be on the podcast is, like, fairly well connected within our community and has a bunch of mutual friends and had no idea we existed. Yeah. And so I think that the point of this is that we're asking each of you to find your favorite item of our content that we've released over the past six months and share it and hashtag it listen participate share yeah we're not asking you for money although i will at the end of the episode ask you for money but in this in this moment we are not asking you for money we're just asking for you to literally listen participate and share
0: yeah because especially because the thing for us with this is that you know we love doing it and obviously we want to build a a model that's sustainable for us as humans and also for the entity itself Sorry, my uh, I, I need to keep my phone on for Avita, but it's also making weird noises like that. Um,
1: We're a mess.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, what was I saying?
1: Sustainable as humans.
0: Yeah, and I'm not. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm sorry, everybody. So, the thing is, though. One of our main goals is that the people that come on the show can really get something out of it, and like in a lot of ways, like we've had some of like, you listen to the show. If you've listened to if you've listened forty minutes into an episode of us two talking, you must listen to the show all the time. And first off, thank you so fucking much because like you're awesome, and like, you know we're just doing this in our apartment. Our cat's like taking a nap on the daybed that we have laid out. Oh my god, the cats are like here right now. Yeah, he's killing it. And I mean, if you've listened this far, there's something that you found that you really enjoyed. You know all the things we do. You know all of the people that are on this show that are better than us every day. <laughs> like, it's amazing. We're we're constantly in awe of it. And these people deserve t- <laughs> your friends deserve to know about these people. Your friend's friends. And it's like that's kind of my thought here is like people that we know that we spend a lot of time with know about everything already probably because we're constantly bothering them to like a post here or share a thing there but i mean like this is a community and like this is a a world that we want to promote and help people out and lift people up and that's what we're all about and we're able to do it on this scale this wide net scale that it's not hard for us to have people on the show or write an article about something that's going on with some organization or something and we're really developing what that can all look like um yeah but i mean we need help
1: yeah so like i said take a minute go through our stuff find something that really resonated with you or like if you think of our show think of your favorite moment shoot us a message and ask us which episode it was in yeah we'll track it down we'll we'll give you the link all we ask is that you share it and just hashtag it and say hashtag it listen participate share
0: mm-hmm. on any of the hashtagable social media sites right and on facebook just tag- there's a facebook event so also like head to there too tag it up help us out cool i've been dan Johansson. <laughs>
1: I continue to be Maureen Smith.
0: If you want to keep up with what we are up to, there's a lot of ways to do that. You can head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. You can find all of our recent articles there. You can find all of our podcast episodes, all of our videos, not all of them, but the most recent ones. If you want to find the videos, head over to YouTube. Uh, We do a weekly print version of the magazine. It goes up in different places. Mostly it's going to be in Andersville tomorrow. Uh, Today, actually, if you're listening to the episode on Tuesday. Um, so check that out. Otherwise, you can keep up with us on all the social media places. Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, iTunes, Google Play, under Scopymag. S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G.
1: And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we have been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we could use a little bit more help. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, you can head to our About section. You can find out a little bit more about us, and you can also choose to give in one of two ways. If you choose to give on a one-time basis, you will have our eternal gratitude. You will also receive a handwritten thank you note from us. If you choose to go on a monthly level, we've got some cool things for you. Um, for as little as $5 a month, um, you will have, again, our gratitude. And you will also, our next two monthly donors are going to receive a bag of half-wit coffee. mm mm-hmm. um, any current donors, if you can guess our last guest, the um, director of wholesales from Halfway Coffee. Um, if you can guess his favorite flavor note in coffee, you will also receive a bag. Um, the hint he gave was that there are entire shops devoted to this category of coffee flavors.
0: Yeah, not shops of the coffee, but like...
1: Of this category of this yeah you know and that's all we'll say um so you can comment on the episode post for that um if you choose to give at ten dollars a month or more you will you will receive free studio photography from mr daniel johansson which two of our current monthly donors have already taken advantage of and it's been super fun so give a little give a lot and if you can't give then hashtag Listen, participate, share.
0: Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something.
1: Yep.